0: Please.
1: Welcome back to the next part of this Truth and Rhythm episode. Be sure to subscribe to this channel. If you've already done so, please share it with friends. Also, become a member by joining Truth and Rhythm on Patreon or consider donating at funkinstuff.net. Thank you so much for your interest and support. Enjoy. Now, Kip, did you go out on the One Night Alone tour at all?
0: No, I didn't do that one.
1: That was quite a tour.
0: Yeah, I heard. It's like when I left, um, I stayed away and I just wasn't the type that was just going to come around and do that whole thing because there was always that thing of him <laughs> with former bandmates that I could, I was watching too, you know, I never said anything to him about it, but I would just watch and I'm like, okay, you know what, that's not going to be me. If I'm gone, I'm, you know, I'm on Mars, I'm off world. So, and, you know, I didn't do that to her, but I did get a chance to, uh, um, do some stuff with him, you know, uh what was that at the Rio for the 3121 stuff. I didn't record any of that stuff, but I did some some live stuff with him at the uh 3121 club. Uh, but yeah, you know, I kind of stayed away.
1: But you were involved with musicology.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah.
1: So what how did that happen?
0: Well, he um I was doing my own thing at the time. I was just preparing to do my first European tour, my uh, first European solo tour. And uh, at the time, he and Larry Graham would come to my shows at, you know, uh, the local bar Bunkers that I played uh, for about 10 months. And, uh, you know, they would oftentimes just <laughs> crash my show and come on stage and we would just jam, to, you know, for the crowd when I was playing there. and he asked me about um, doing the Musicology tour. And, you know, at the time I had so much in the works, so many people involved helping me to, you know, launch my own career that I was like, "Ah, I think that would be a horrible idea for me to close the doors on all of this effort that has been done. Some people just believe in me as an artist and I can't just shut that down now because, you know, it just to me, it wouldn't be good. You know, I feel like that would be bad reputation starting to build if anytime he calls, I'm just gonna abandon everything else. So, you know, I thought (laughs) he would reason with me and he, you know, he didn't take that so well, because I didn't know that he was, you know, if he asked, you know, he expects to hear yes, you know, but I said no. And while so for a minute, you know, it was it got a little bit awkward, you know, between us, but not in a really negative way. It was just, you know, he wanted me to do it, so he ended up you know calling Chance Howard to come on to do it instead. So I had already recorded some things on musicology with him. He would still call me to the studio and I would just go over there and record some things with him, but uh, you know, he told me about, oh, it's going to be this big tour we're going to do you know, I'm gonna play all these dates, you know, I'm gonna give you a million dollars. And I'm just like, "Uh, okay, yeah. There was a piece of me that I'm just like, you know, I know how he can be, you know, I know these things can happen, but sometimes, you know, he's just feeling inspired in the moment and that could change the next day. So I'm like, yeah, what I have that I'm building is for certain, Regardless if it, you know, does dirt, it doesn't matter, it's still mine. I get a chance to build it and make it happen, but I'm not really certain about this. And I don't want to unplug from, you know, from something that I've, you know, slowly built over time. And, you know, that I'm starting to get some traction under, you know, to just do this again. And so I was trying to bargain with them. I was like, well, okay, I could do it. Maybe if you allow me, say an opening slot you know, on a show here and there, you know, 15 minutes, you know, just keep it real short. I can, you know, come back out and, you know, he was like, ah, well, you know, the stage is just gonna be this, that, the other. I'm like, well, you know, according to you, I can perform anywhere, you know. So it's like, ah, here you go. Like, I'm just like, okay, well, all right. And that's sort of how things ended in that period.
1: Did you seek uh Morris's counsel at all or just directly with Prince?
0: Oh, I mean I sought Morris's counsel, Kirk Johnson. Those guys have always been, they were there when I got there. So I always leaned on them for advice, you know, all things Prince when I needed it, you know, because they had been through the trenches. They had been there for eras. And um, so they knew him a lot better than I did, you know. But then again, it's like you can know him in the way that you know him, but then there's the personal relationship that each individual has. That he's just very different with this person than he is with that person.
1: Mm. Now, what tracks are you involved with on in Musicology?
0: Call my name. Um, oh wow, let's see. I know. Call my name was the one that I came. What, what did I do? I came from a show, and that was myself, Chance, and Stokely singing sort of group background vocals on. I'm trying to remember the other two. Um, wow, that's a good question. But I do know if it called my name because we ended up shooting the video, video here in Studio City at uh, Universal.
1: Another one of his countless sublime ballads. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. That was yeah. Good. Oh. So what were the circumstances and how did you sort of stop working regularly with him, you know?
0: Uh, Wow. Let me see how I can sort of tiptoe around this without going all the way in there. Um, I think it was just at the time uh, because he was getting ready to do a changeover with the band. Uh, Again, it's like, you know, oh, man, let me see he was doing a changeover with the bands and we had been talking about things, you know, about what he wanted to do next. And he, you know, was telling me how he wanted to keep me there. But at the time, you know, I'm a very loyal guy, you know, to the people that I love. And I know Morris was there a long time before me, but he was just basically telling me that, you know, Hey, you know, I want you to be my Morris 2.0. And I'm just like, well, I'm not going to be the ax that axes Morris out. I can't, no way, you know, I I'm not going to do that. So, um, and he was like, Oh, you know, and Morris, you know, was, I talked to Morris about it and Morris was like, Hey, well, you know, man, this happens. It ain't going to be the first time that I left and came back or whatever. I'm just like, well, yeah, that doesn't feel right to me. I came in by way of you. So I just, I can't do that. I'm like, maybe giving some time away and then I can come back later. You know, if that presents itself, then I'll do that. But in that time, you know, that was the wording of it. And the wording of that to me just didn't really sit right with me. So I I opted out.
1: So it's just getting kind of weird and uncomfortable for you, it sounds like.
0: Yeah, at that time it was. It's like, I know my responsibility was getting a lot heavier. And that's fine. It's like, I just, for me, it was just like, okay, well, I like this, but not like that. You know, I, I don't want to be that. And that was just my own my own sense of things. I, I didn't want to do that. You know, that was a line that I just wasn't, I wasn't willing to cross. I mean, there was also the thing too, like I had a burning desire to do my own thing as well. After touring with him, learning a whole lot, you know, you know, from the NPG and from the Funky Bald Head situation, I'm like, hey, you know, I want to go out and test the waters as a a solo act now and see what I can do. And I told him, I was like, well, you know, the reason that I'm doing this is because I want to do you proud. I want to show you what you've invested in me. And when I put it that way, it kind of, softened the blow a little bit because I'm just like okay (laughs) this isn't me trying to just like okay cool I'm taking everything and I'm running with it but I want to show you you know what you've you know implanted and what you've cultivated in me as an artist I want to show you what I'm capable of you know even if I fall on my face you've shown me how I can get back up and I can make this work you know I want to show you what I can do and um he was like, well, you can keep showing me what you can do from right there on the keyboard. And I'm just like, oh, my God, man! Like, you know, and Larry Graham called me at this point in time for I feel like a period of like two weeks. Yeah. Like, come on, kid. I mean, you know, you know, this baby brother, man, you know, listen to baby brother, you know, come on, let's just do this. And I'm just like, yeah. He was like, "Now you know, you didn't get fired. You walked away. I was like, yeah, I know. I know. And I'm grateful. You know, I just. And so finally it was like, OK. And. You know, he kind of kept going and doing his own thing and he would still call me to come in and do studio sessions. Um, so everything was cool. And then until say like 2015 with the Judith Hill situation, um, Kirk let me know that he was coming out here for the Golden Globes and he wanted to meet with me about a you know, potential tour situation. And that's when I came back.
1: So when was the last time that you actually saw him?
0: It was, uh, what's that, in Detroit, I think it was uh, the show that we did in Detroit uh, with him, Third Eye Girl, and Judith Hill. And, you know, but we came back to Paisley Park after that and we did some more rehearsals and, you know, we did the press release for Judith Hill um, and he called me into the sound stage because we were doing it in the smaller room on the, you know, the loading dock in the loading dock area. And, uh, he asked me if I would sing superstition and he was like, yeah, you know, I haven't heard you go get it in a long time, you know, so I want to hear you sing superstition one more time. So I looked at him. I'm like, what do you mean one more time? You know? So I started to kind of notice a few things. Um, uh, so he just looked at me and it's like, yeah, you know, I want to hear you sing superstition. And he started asking me cryptic questions that now make sense, you know, now that he's passed on, but at the time he started asking me some of those cryptic questions. And so I'm like, okay, yeah, you know, so I went and hit it. He was like, oh, you know, man, I haven't heard you well in a long time. Like that really moved me. And I still, you know, have a hard time being in the stage at Paisley Park because that was when I saw him leave and walk back towards, uh, you know, in the apartment area, the front of Paisley Park. That was the last time I saw him.
1: So this is like, um, you have any idea about what month in 2015?
0: Or um, I want to say this was uh, This was like the, um, I'll say like the summer. I don't remember exactly the month or anything. I'll say maybe like the late summer, early fall.
1: Yeah. yeah. So you yeah. sensed something was a little amiss from when you hung out with him years yeah. prior.
0: Yeah, I did. Yeah, and it's like I, you know, now I'm able to accept and embrace it. Uh, you know, but at the, sometimes it still kind of gives me the heebie-jeebies. You know.
1: I can imagine.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, so you were shocked, but not as shocked as maybe some people
0: were. Yeah, because I I saw some things. So I'm like, okay, all right. So when it happened, it didn't change the level of impact that it had on me, of course, because even right now, it's like, uh, yeah, I did go out and do some of the NPG touring like after the fact, you know, post-mortem. And my heart just wasn't in it anymore because a lot of me died with him. And then to go out and still be performing his music, that was weird to me because, you know, I'd never sang lead vocals on any of his stuff. And now to have to learn that too. And I'm just like, "Eh," you know, okay, I get it. It's good for the fans and maybe it'll be healing for us. But I think it was later on, it ended up just being a lot harder for me. And I just, my my heart just wasn't in it anymore. So I needed to kind of step away to do some self-work and to figure out, you know, what was going on internally because that was just uh, a big blow. And finally, I feel like I started to come back around in 2022.
1: I feel you totally, Kip. I mean, it was like losing a brother for me, so. Yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah, I guess probably the permanency and and reality of it sets in after a little bit longer, and then you kind of have to go through it again in a different way.
0: yeah absolutely and I think it all came back around full circle for me you know the reason that you know he told me you know like hey you know sky's the limit for you you know I want to teach you how to fish so you can go and do these things for yourself take all these things that you're learning in here and pay it forward teach it to somebody else and I find myself being like that and I just think in the end it's like that was the whole point of my being there is to say hey well you know what I'm an extension of him now and let me go and you know create and pay it forward and hopefully you know help spawn a new generation of musician and artist.
1: That's a dichotomy I see with Prince too is that so many artists were kind of you know for lack of a better word, maybe kind of spurned at certain points, or just kind of cast off, or just you know fell through the cracks, or whatever. But yet, he pushed so many, you know, to realize their potential. Right. And 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 taught lessons that maybe weren't even realized at the time. Right.
0: Oh yeah, I still find I still find myself like, ah, he said that. He showed me this way back then, and now it's relevant now, and so that that does still happen.
1: What do you think if you think about it, Kip was maybe the most impressive thing you ever saw him do musically or artistically?
0: Oh, that's easy <laughs> well, musically to be playing the guitar, you know with this left hand and reach around from the opposite side of my keyboards and play my part for me. I'm just like okay dude like you know <laughs> all right man that will always stick with me. I've never before or since seen anybody do that. And he wasn't even he was having a conversation with I think Rhonda Smith at the time she was on bass at the time and he was saying something to her he put his guitar pick in his mouth and was saying something was still playing and just looked I'm just like what Like, no way, man. (laughs) So, you know, that's uh, again, that's like an Avenger, like some superhero or something like I. Why? (laughs) Why did you have to do that? You know, he just looked at me and laughed. It's like, you got it. I'm like, well, yeah, I got it. You know, so he looks at me and just like "Hmm." he walks away and starts playing and doing whatever, you know. I've seen him play bass and drums at the same time, put the bass against his thigh and just, you know, maybe hit it with that. And I'm like, wow, dude. Like, okay, man. Like, I think some, some days he would just be in the mood to just like, let me show you what I can really do. He'll just do it for a little bit and then get up. And I think it was also too sometimes a morale booster for the band. You know, like, hey, you know, like watch this, like oh my god, <laughs> that's crazy,
1: you know. Yeah, you know uh, the keyboard thing. I saw him in 1982 at Santa Monica Civic. It was like the controversy tour around that era. Mm-hmm. And I saw. I tell people one of the most amazing things I saw him do myself, and I saw like maybe 40 shows through the years was during head. Uh, it was either head or let's work one of those two. I think it was head. He w- did the keyboard and guitar at the same time.
0: Oh man, And it yeah. was just
1: unbelievable. <laughs> I was just slack jawed.
0: Yeah. He was amazing, man. He was very amazing. I miss him. I miss him all the time. And this is, believe it or not, one of the first real conversations that I've had, you know, about him in a long time because I just shy away from it. I don't spend any time on social media, so I'm happy that I even got on messenger to get the message from you because it's like, I just am not on there.
1: Well, I appreciate that. And I mean, I'm, you know, as someone who followed him from the beginning Mm -hmm. and has spoken to so many people from that camp, you know, I just want to honor his legacy. Right. And you know, that's the most important thing. And also those that worked with him. And you know, not exploit anything and not, you know,
0: I appreciate you stuff, for that. <laughs> I really you know? appreciate that too, man. Like I really yeah. do. You know, I've, you know, had some interviews, you know, or people asking me about interviews and I would have to scream the questions because I'm like, I I don't know, you know, if I have to get on here and there is something that I don't like, I just I'll end it, you know, like. Thank you. No thanks. You know, people want to ask me, uh, email me questions, and they were asking about the time of his passing. Did you see him? Like, you know what? That's over. You know. Yeah. We're not going to talk about that stuff. Don't want to dwell on that, man. No.
1: No need. No need. No. It's painful enough. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: And and need to honor, you know, the legacy too. Right. Um. So. Scott, when you left, though, and kind of started doing your own thing, you know, you weren't alone. I mean, Rhonda Smith was, you know, going out there and doing her thing and, you know, uh-huh. some of the other MPG people, Kat Dyson. and Oh, yeah. So, you uh-huh. know, you had company and yeah. spreading your wings.
0: Yeah. You know, I think the thing was, is because a lot of those people had been there before, had, you know, certain 10 years and... They knew each other, but I was like the odd man out. I really didn't know anybody. The only person I truly knew was Morris Hayes. And when I got there, Kirk Johnson, which is right now, too, it's like in terms of, you know, most of the things that I've done, you know, since then has been with Kirk Johnson. I know how he operates. I know it's going to run smoothly. Everything is going to be what he says it's going to be. And I just kind of do it that way. But... I just didn't know any of the others that came before me. Like, you know, they knew each other. So I came on during Rave and during Rave, like I say, it was very stripped down from what I heard what Paisley Park used to be like. It was a very stripped down, you know, situation. Not a lot of people in the building at all. And, you know, so in terms of people who used to be there, you know, he didn't really talk about a lot of people in terms of, you know, former band uh, mates and things of that nature. So it was like when I started playing places like Bunkers and playing around the city, you know, I started meeting a lot of these people. Of course, I met Michael Bland because he would come to Morris Hayes' studio. Sonny would come to Morris's studio. Sonny played on a song with uh, my brothers and I, you know, that I produced uh, back in the day and, uh, um came to Moore's studio and I had heard about Sonny Thompson and Michael Bland and Tommy Barbarella. And I think it was um, in 2017 when we did the first of the post-mortem tours in Europe is when I got a chance to meet, you know, a lot of the guys, you know, like Damon, Tony, uh, of course, like be on the road with Sonny. I would watch Sonny and Mike at bunkers, play with the combo. Um, And so that's how I kind of started, you know, knowing people just kind of on the outside, but, you know, not getting the chance to say, like, play with them in the same band.
1: Yeah, you weren't really part of a clique per se. No, no.
0: Yeah, yeah, I was I was man out, you know, which I guess was for me very suitable because I as you can see, it's like I I am always alone. You know, I prefer it.
1: Yeah, although you were tight with your family, it sounds like.
0: Yes, you know, my family, my mom is my best friend. You know, she's been there the whole time. Uh, She actually got to come to Paisley Park and she got to meet Prince, my aunts, you know, my Judy. She was the one that really groomed us in singing. And uh, so, man, like my that group, you know, came and they drove the tour bus, the family tour bus up here. And Prince, you know, gave them the. The bay next to his bus, and say, "Yeah, have your family parked their bus right next to mine." And that was such a treat for them, and they got to meet him in the atrium, you know. And he was, they were like, "Yeah." So I was Kip? You know, did we do a good job with them? And he's like, "Oh yeah, Kip is oh he's amazing," and you know, he would just say a lot of little funny stuff like, "Yeah, you just got to watch him around your women." I'm just like, "Oh my god!" And my mom's like, "Well, you know, ain't nothing changed, you know." That's my baby boy, and I'm like, oh, man, "What are you doing, dude?" You know. Yeah, so it was a good time. You know that that was good for me because uh, whenever I would do things like that, it's like I always wanted to be able to, you know, share it with my mom, share it with my family. I wanted them to be a part of it because that's all I've ever known in terms of musicality and doing things together. We always did things together like that. So, and I was the first one to leave gospel music and do something outside of the church. So for me, it was like, okay, I just want you to see what I'm doing. Knowing it's cool, I'm not out here, you know, going crazy, you know, I just want you to see it. So they got to see it and, you know, kind of give me the stamp of approval. I'm like, okay, cool. Then. That feels good to me. Yeah,
1: man, so important to have that kind of foundation and support and be it grounded, is. you know, stay grounded, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, so when you went out and did your own thing, Kip, you know, what? what was your ambition?
0: Well, I think as it may be with, you know, any artist, you know, you want to you get out and test the waters, uh, have some success in terms of, for me, it was never about the, the fame like that. I just wanted to be able to support myself, uh, to go do what I love and not have to do anything different outside of that. Um, that was my thing. And I wanted to know that, you know, the music that I was doing could reach people in the way that I felt it. I wanted to be able to connect and to see that I could connect, you know, even if we didn't speak the same language because my first tour with Prince was in Europe, you know, it was the uh, the TV promo tour for Rave. And so, you know, I'm watching people that speak a different language sing the words to his songs. and I'm like, oh, that's crazy. Like, I want to be able to do that. Like, That sounds like a lot of fun to me. But in terms of like the, fame, it wasn't so much about that. But I guess you kind of have to be famous if you're going to attract a lot of people to come and watch you perform. So uh, but I was just so shy that I just, I just wanted to sing. I wanted to sing. Uh, uh, I had learned so much from him in terms of being a band leader, you know, I wrote all the parts to my songs, and I could teach it to my band the same way that he did, you know. Um And so that was a beautiful thing to me to be Completely immersed as an artist, you know, a lot more than just a singer, you know, who has a musical director, you know, driving the band. But I'm like, no, I wanna do that as well because I am a keyboardist as well. So it's like, hey, you know, I'm producing the music. I should be able to give these guys the parts and stuff as well. So I learned how to run rehearsals from being in rehearsal with him. And I had to learn how to do it my way because what I was doing is being more of a clone of him. And I learned that, okay, well, I'm not him, so I have to deal with people a little bit differently. You know, I don't have 10K a week to pay everybody. So I have to be a little more, you know, lenient and have a little more patience with these guys who are taking, you know, their precious time. They get off of work to come to rehearsal. So this is not the gig for them right now. So for me, it was like, you know, I wanted to learn about these things and, you know, uh, learn who I was as an artist. That's, that's really the, the bulk of it for me. I think that was always the case since I was a kid, is uh, to learn more and more about myself as an artist and how to reach people. Whereas I knew that whenever I sang or whenever I got on the stage, there were no barriers. I could reach you. And I didn't have to feel like I was going to get booed or anything. I think it was just a matter of like confidence. You know, I wanted to have confidence that I could reach you You know, whenever we are in the same room.
1: You know, I was just thinking, I have a funky bald head CD here. I bet that's kind of a collector's item.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. Do you? <laughs> I have one. I have one for sure. Okay.
1: <laughs> um, so how did you connect with some of the artists I mentioned on your introduction? You know, um, I know uh, Maceo obviously was through Prince, um, but uh, like Al Green and Eminem and those things.
0: Well, um, Al Green, Um, the manager that I had at the time, she also worked for Prince while I was there. So when I left, um, she asked me about, you know, managing me and she had these contacts and she wanted to do a label showcase, this, that, the other, which I ended up doing. I ended up flying, well, driving out here to LA, Morris and Kirk and again, and, you know, they were part of my band to come out here and do the label showcase. So I gained a little bit of steam from doing that stuff, and from the self-titled EP that I put, I released, uh, I got some interest around the city, you know, as an opener. And so my manager fielded that opportunity, and I got to open for Al Green at um, the State Theater in uh, downtown Minneapolis. Um, and then from that point on, when I got here, I met. One of the guys that I look at as my LA big brothers, uh, he's uh, formerly it's two of them, but this, this one particular one. I met him at Prince's house during uh, the Grammy after party for you know musicology, and uh, so I met him. And Prince was jamming. Stevie Wonder's there, you know, Maceo's there. And Prince comes and put the microphone stand in front of me. was like, yeah, see what you got with him. I'm like, oh, loosened my tie, threw my coat off, and we just all started jamming. And so this guy was like, man, like, oh, my God, like, you got to come get down with us in L.A. You know, we work with a lot of people. And so I'm like, all right. So three years later in 2007, I ended up moving from Minneapolis to L.A. now. And I came out here and... Those were the guys that I met up with. Well, it was actually in Vegas. I was, we were in Vegas. Uh, It was the 31-21 period. And um, they ended up coming to uh, Vegas for one of the guys' bachelor party. And I met up with them at a hotel and I was already working on some more production stuff. So I took it in there and showed it to them. And they're like, man, this is some good stuff. Like, you know, when can you come to LA? I'm like, well, when are you guys leaving? (laughs) And so basically what happened is, I went back to LA with them and I never went back to Vegas. And I slept on the studio couch you know, for about six months until we started working with one of Dr. Dre's artists that he had on the shelf for like seven years. And she was determined to show him that she's ready to get off of the shelf. So these guys had the relationship with her but they had never done anything with Dre before. And mind you, our studio at the time was across the street from record one which at the time was where Dre worked out of. And So it just kind of all happened that way. So I was producing a whole bunch of stuff for her, and she kept coming back to me saying, Man, Dre took all the beats that you did for me, and he wants to use them for his detox album. So I'm like, Oh, okay. Well, I'll just do you some more. She was like, Well, he's just going to take them too. So I'm like, Okay. Well, what do you want me to do? And so she was like, Well, he wants to meet you. And I'm like, Okay. Well, yeah, that sounds cool. Like, when, where? She was like, Oh, I'm having a birthday party at the in uh, Hollywood and he's going to show up there. And I'm like, all right. So I went there and I'm, I, once again, I don't know anybody. And I'm just kind of hanging out with the studio crew and and just looking around, I see Dre walk in and I'm like, oh, cool, that's Dre, you know? And, you know, once you've been around Prince, you really don't get too star star-struck with anyone else. It's just like, okay, well, cool, nice to meet you. And, He walks over, he's like, hey, let me holler at you for a little bit. And so he pulls out a flash drive and gives me a flash drive. He said, hey, you know, I got four songs on here, two for myself and, you know, and two for Eminem. I wanted to see what you could do to him. So got back to the studio. I turned them things around in just a few hours, got it back to him. And uh, I didn't really hear anything back, you know, for a while. But then when I did, it was, I got... uh, the song that I did landed on Eminem's album Relapse and it was called Underground. And I'm hearing all these crazy vocals and stuff. I'm like, whoa, that's me. I'm like, oh, cool, got on there, all right. But it was the last track on the album, it was track 20. So I'm like, all right, well, cool. So next thing I know is uh, I hear from Dre again, you know, another flash drive. Okay, well, hey, you know, wants to see what you can do with this. But however, he wants you to come down to Encore in Burbank this time and record it. I'm like all right well cool so I get to Encore and you know big security guards and stuff so I'm like yeah you know Dre I'm here for Dre or whatever so they're like who are you I'm like I'm kidding they're like oh okay yeah come on in so I'm like I get in and I see Dre and he gets up and greets me giving me a nice handshake and hug and he was like yeah I got somebody I want you to meet so hang out right here for a second I'm like all right and so he comes and and, you know, back into the lobby with uh, Eminem. And he was like, yeah, this Marshall. I was like, oh, okay, what's up, man? You know, cool, you know, nice to meet you. He was like, man, you killed, you know, uh, Underground. So, you know, I wanted to, like, do my first single with you, which was I'm Not Afraid on Relapse. So I'm like, oh, well, cool, you know. So went into the studio and, and knocked that one out in, like, a couple of hours and left. And that's how I was able to get my first place, you know, here in L.A. because I got a nice, you know, sizable check. And I'm like, oh, I could get off the couch now. I could go get an apartment. <laughs> you know, So I worked hard for it. But, you know, again, it was like I was determined to come here and not wear, you know, my brand is what I had done, you know, for Prince. But I wanted to create something different. And I was able to create something different. However, you know, it's like once you've been there, you know, people know when you've been there with him because that is the prism, you know, that everyone looked at in terms of like, you know, star power, Prince was the star of stars, you know? so Dre asked me like about my time there he was like, man, listen, anybody that can hang with that dude, I want to work with you. I'm like, okay. And so I started learning the power of him from being away from him, you know, and that's how that got started.
1: Hmm. And uh, what have you been doing in more recent years and, and right now?
0: Um, Right now, it's like uh, I've been quietly, you know, working on a new project of my own. Um, I've been working on some new material with my daughter. Oh, my God. Like, talk about the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Wow. I mean, she's going to be something else. But I've been, you know, trying to work on things with her, you know, allowing her to develop and trying to see what we can get out of that. And then it's like I've been doing some more stuff in film and television. I have a new project that just uh, went number one on the gospel billboards with uh, an artist, Rod Forte. He used to be like one of the keyboard mentors that I had because I would watch him and his brother play in church and memorize what they were playing and take it home and practice it. So I just uh, I've been producing him since uh, 2020. And he just hit number one on the gospel billboards. And working on a few more things for him so if you're listening go check Rod Forte out um and uh let's see other than that it's like yeah I've been working on a few side projects right now but um nothing else much of note I was working on one thing for a while but I just kind of backpedaled on it and decided to you know kind of focus on the things that I saw where I'm getting the movement at
1: how old is your daughter
0: my daughter's 25.
1: Wow. <laughs> yeah,
0: I say that, too. Like, yeah, <laughs> it's it's so weird to say I have a 25 year old. Oh, my God. Yeah, she's brilliant. She's uh, sweet. You know, her dancing is phenomenal. Uh, her songwriting is phenomenal. She's a phenomenal vocalist. She plays keys and guitarist, you know. So, you know, she won up me with the dance because I, you know, She's got me on that, but that's what I mean. Like she's like, "Dad, I'm coming for you." I was like, "Well, you know what? I'm not ready to sit down yet, so it's gonna be a you're gonna have a fight on your hands." <laughs> we have a little healthy competition with us, but you know, I love her to death, and I and her name is Jayla Jayla Blackshire. So you know, you can look her up too soon. You know, I got a song that I'm trying to get mixed. With her that we produced, she came to visit me in Minnesota during the pandemic, and uh, we worked on something. In three hours, we had some something amazing. So I want to get that finished. And there's another one. She's she's actually going to be here. Uh, uh, let's see. What is today? In about a week, she'll be here. So yeah.
1: Are you comfortable accompanying yourself while you sing, or do you generally do them separately?
0: Oh no, I can accompany myself. When I sing, I mean, that was one of the things, even with Prince, we would do uh, a cover of Donny Hathaway's, Someday We'll All Be Free. So I'd be on the roads playing and singing, you know? So, and then of course too, from my church days, it's like I was always playing and singing, you know, as I got older, you know, but um, do I prefer it? No, I prefer to be on the front lines and just give you everything, but I understand that that's a whole different energy to be behind the keys and to play and sing. So it's, I love it too, but you know, primarily, uh, of course I just, i like to be up front and sing.
1: What would be your top two, let's say favorite Prince songs ever?
0: Oh man. Uh, I
1: know it's really hard, but, or just two of your favorites.
0: Oh man. Uh, well, I'll say nothing compares to you. Uh, and wow, everything else is kind of a toss up, like, wow. And the reason that I say even nothing compares to you is because he and I did that song together. So I have an affinity of, you know, that experience. but. Uh, Man, like I <laughs> I hear him in my head like, you know, so, you know, which one of my children do you like the best? I'm like, well, you know what? Let's not even go there, man. You know, so for me, it's like I don't know. It's like I, I don't I, I don't tend to have favorites in any form of music. I really don't. And I think that's what has allowed me to morph from doing something like that into doing something like with Dre or Eminem, you know. I just don't hold on to anything as a favorite. I just approach everything with the same fervor. So it's like, I don't know. Uh, I can't answer that question, to be honest.
1: Well, it's a big spectrum from the gospel to gangster rap.
0: know, <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's a, a large spectrum.
1: <laughs> what would you say you're most proud of accomplishing to this point? Musically,
0: musically, uh... Longevity, just to be able to be in the game for, wow, wow, 23 years now. I started at age 23 and I'm 46, so to be able to still be alive and to have value, you know, in this music game and to be able to adapt, to be able to uh, keep recreating and reinventing myself, you know, to be able to give, the listeners of each artist, musicians, whatever, something fresh, you know, and to be able to, uh, you know, stay present. So for me, it's like, yeah, it's like the longevity in it all. Were there any
1: artists that Prince kind of turned you on to?
0: Oh, yeah. It's like, I mean, mind you, I told you, it's like before I wasn't, I didn't know a lot of secular artists outside of gospel music. So Wow, like Prince gave me videotapes of Hendrix, you know, and I would go home and study Hendrix and uh, James Brown. I knew of James Brown, but I didn't listen to James Brown like that. And, you know, so getting like a whole dose of say vintage music, you know, it wasn't about the latest new shining toys. It was like, you know, the stuff that he grew up on. So he put me on to a lot of, that stuff. Parliament Funkadelic, you know, Sly Stone, Sly Stone, of course, like, oh, my God, he was like, yeah, Sly Stone has got that church thing like you guys. So, you know, we would do some Sly Stone with Larry Graham, you know, uh, everyday people, and which we of course did on rave. Uh, you know, hair. Oh, man, like when I got those deep cuts and the funk like that, I'm just like, what happened to this? Why are we doing this now? He was like, "Well, yeah, then you do it." I'm like, ah, I see, I see what you're doing." <laughs> and he, you know, again, I told him like, "Hey, you know, I'm sorry, I don't know any of your music." He was actually intrigued by it. He was like, "Well, that's so cool!" Like, you know, in a world where I'm, you know, extremely popular, you know, somebody that has no clue of who I am, this will be fun for me because I get to show you a whole lot. And I'm like, "Oh, okay." cool. You know, so that was what it was. He introduced me to a lot of vintage musicians and eras and taught me a lot of the history of where certain sounds were born, you know, hence Larry Graham and slapping the bass and stuff. And Larry Graham told me his own story. So it was a lot of that for me. That was, I feel like that was like my golden era where I learned a lot.
1: Wow. Some of that must've been, kind of you know foreign to your ears because some of that stuff you got to listen to a few times for it to sink in I'm still
0: listening to it you know (laughs) yeah I'm still listening to it yeah
1: especially some of the stuff that's really layered like some of the p-funk and that stuff you know Mm -hmm. Um, yeah yeah. I mean I remember hearing some of that for the first time myself and it was like takes a while to sink in but once it does man you just appreciate the genius absolutely yeah so good to meet you and spend time you know thank you
0: blessings to you blessings it's good to meet you too scott
1: take good care and keep me in your loop man and, and i your will daughter,
0: your daughter too i will absolutely yeah absolutely yeah all thanks right. for having me
1: all right take good care
0: yes sir you do the same thank you
1: okay bye 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 i hope you enjoyed this episode of truth and rhythm a big thank you goes out to our guest as well as to you the viewer and listener also much gratitude to pleasure for supplying the show's funky opening and closing music. As a reminder, you can always access the complete list of linked shows by episode at funkinstuff.net. I urge you to support this program and receive the extra benefits along with that by subscribing to the Funk & Stuff channel on YouTube and sharing it with funk, R&B, and jazz lovers, joining Truth & Rhythm's membership program at Patreon, submitting a donation at funkinstuff.net. Buying everything is on the one, the first guy to funk book at Amazon. Shopping at the Funky Things store for cool merchandise at funkinstuff.net and linking through funkinstuff.net for all of your Amazon purchases. In addition, if you're an artist or anyone seeking proven results oriented professional marketing, PR, writing, or editing consultation or production, check out